From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Welcome to WIA National News. I'm Graham VK4 Double B. This edition for week commencing May 17, 2015. An earthquake disaster continues in Nepal. Almost immediately, a fresh earthquake measuring 7.4 hit Nepal last Tuesday. The 20-metre emergency frequency was activated as people ran outdoors, already traumatised by the April 25 massive earthquake. The new earthquake was followed by significant aftershocks. Satish 9N1AA in Kathmandu was on the emergency net reporting on the loss of power, normal communications and the aftermath damage. JU VU2JAU, the National Coordinator for Disaster Communication in India, immediately had contacts with neighbouring parts of India that felt the tremor. He then had contact with 9N1AA, who reported on the situation in Kathmandu. What surprised many was the length of time the latest earthquake was felt. Sanjib 9N1SP emailed there were aftershocks after aftershocks, and he had to remain outdoors until it was safe. No apparent need existed for radio amateurs this time to provide additional emergency communications. While the Nepalese are still on edge, an assurance exists with foreign rescue groups, humanitarian organisations, the International Telecommunication Union and the government continuing to do their work. An enormous research balloon has been launched in Alice Springs, VK8, to collect data from the Velva Pulsar, a collapsed star 1,000 light years away. The giant balloon took two and a half hours to carry 800 kilograms of equipment 35 kilometres into the sky, where it floated all day before coming down near Longreach in VK4. The director of the balloon launching station at Alice Springs Airport, Ravi Sood, said the project would measure gamma rays from the neutron star, which is the dead relic of a massive collapsed star. This particular one is trying to measure gamma rays coming from the Vela Pulsar. The Vela Pulsar is about 19 kilometres in diameter and rotates more than 11 times per second, which is faster than a helicopter rotor. This research balloon is the size of Melbourne Cricket Ground and landed just a week after a NASA balloon was found near the Queensland and New South Wales borders, and this also the size of a football field. It had flown for 32 days from New Zealand. Now, you may not be working on such huge craft, but homebrewers can learn about balloon tracking at the next meeting of the Homebrew Construction Group in VK3. It's Saturday, June 6 at 2pm. The usual venue, the Amateur Radio Victoria Rooms at 40G Victory Boulevard, Ashburton. And all are welcome. Julie VK3FOWL and Joe VK3YSP will present the design, flight and recovery of an amateur radio high-altitude balloon fitted with a homebrew 30-metre beacon. The presentation will cover details of the hardware and software design enabling the balloon's position to be tracked and uploaded to the internet. A very interesting presentation is promised, and the latest newsletter, compiled by ENVK3LA, will be emailed to subscribers in the week before the meeting, held Saturday, June 6. Inquiries and comments can be sent to homebrew at amateurradio.com.au. This just in from Mark, VK4FMAR, and it concerns Mario, VK4MS, from Ingham. 
VK4MS Mario has been airlifted to Adelaide Hospital by the Royal Flying Doctor Service after a fall from a tower whilst doing some work whilst on holidays down VK5-way. He has suffered some spinal injuries in the lower back, but is presently comfortable and stable. More, and hopefully good news, next week. Across Australia from VK1 WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. On the Sunshine Coast, it's relayed on 146.825 and 146.850 at 9am. I'm Gordon, VK4 VP. WIA Board Talk in just a moment. We're joined by Phil Waite, the WIA President. However, the Anzac commemoration does continue here in VK and across the Dutch in ZL. Plenty of on-air activity can be heard commemorating the centenary of Gallipoli Landing in 1915 of the Australian and New Zealand Army Corps or Anzac troops and subsequent conflicts involving Anzacs. Both the Wireless Institute of Australia and the New Zealand Association of Radio Transmitters are running complementary programs. The VK100 Anzac call sign, which this time has been on air since Thursday and finishes tonight, Sunday, May 18, thanks to Harvey Bay Amateur Radio Club, well, this event commemorates Duncan Chapman. Duncan was born at Mirabrook, Queensland, and is said to be the first to land at Gallipoli. The VK100 Anzac event involves the RSL and the Mirabrook Military and Colonial Museum. ZL100 Anzac has made just over 9,000 QSOs and already 111 DXCC entities. The NZART also offer a commemorative award. Meanwhile, all VK stations who use the alternative AX prefix on the Anzac Day weekend may be eligible for an operating award. Check out wia.org.au. In July, we will have three days of VK100 Anzac on RITI from South Australia, giving this mode plenty of concentrated activity. And looking well ahead to May 2016, yes, 2016, consideration is being given to VK9 Anzac being used on Norfolk Island, the Australian Territory some 1,600 kilometres northeast of Sydney. During World War II, there was a radar installation on Norfolk Island an air-sea rescue unit and transport aircraft servicing unit, as well as coast watches in action. As we've been telling you, Anzac 100 articles appear in Amateur Radio magazine by WIA historian Peter Wolfenden, VK3RV, and here's a summary of yet another one of them. An Adelaide newspaper in 1951 reported, Adelaide hams did great work in war, and it touches on the monitoring of illicit transmissions. As luck has it, a 1986 recording of Gordon Ragless VK5GR, Silent Key, made at the Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society, is in the WIA archive. He speaks of his personal wartime activities, especially the monitoring of foreign signals. It would appear that a small monitoring group began in 1941, and according to Gordon, there were similar activities in the other capital cities. Four operators worked in shifts at the PMG Frequency Measuring Station in Adelaide. Any messages with five-letter groups would be decoded by the experts. Surprisingly, one message intercepted was in fact a strange mixture of letters in all sorts of size groups. When finally decoded, the name of every boat in Port Adelaide and the Outer Harbour had been spelt backwards. This incident took place in the summer of 42.
Perhaps further information about similar wartime monitoring in Australia will become available, but at present we know very, very little. Hi, this is Phil Waite, VK2ASD President of the WIA. Last weekend the WIA held its AGM and Open Forum in Canberra. It was extremely well attended and there's lots to tell you about. But right now I am really running to catch a plane, so I'm going to hand over to Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, He can fill you in on the weekend's details, and I'll see you all back in Australia at the end of May. So, it's over to Roger. Thanks, Phil. Judging from many comments made to me and the smiles on many faces, our annual conference and AGM held in Canberra last weekend over the 9th and 10th of May was well received by those who attended. Early on Saturday the 10th, President Phil Waite presented a certificate and gift to the Institute's loyal staff member, Diane Ashton, VK3FDIZ. Diane will retire on the 3rd of July, so this was the best opportunity to honour her valued contribution to the running of the WIA office over the past nine years, in particular the examination service. At the end of the short presentation ceremony, Diane received a standing ovation. Very fitting. Another major highlight came at the end of the annual dinner, when a proposal to hold the 2016 event on Norfolk Island, was presented to the dinner audience. Directors Robert Broomhead, VK3DN, and Fred Swainston, VK3DAC, led the audience through a short video and PowerPoint presentation of the proposal, which gained an enthusiastic response from members and guests when a show of hands was requested to gauge the potential level of interest. To the surprise of some board members, two-thirds of the audience put up their hands in support of the proposal, with 66 subsequently adding their names to a list to indicate they would like to attend the proposed event. The WIA has established a tradition of combining the AGM with a weekend of activities of particular interest to radio amateurs. The first was in parks in New South Wales in 2007, featuring a tour of The Dish. Destinations since have included Broken Hill in 2008, Churchill in Victoria's Gippsland in 2009, the 2010 Centenary AGM in Canberra with a tour of Dick Smith's private aircraft museum nearby, Darwin in 2011, Perth in 2012, Mildura in 2013 and Mooloolabar on Queensland's Sunshine Coast in 2014. The Norfolk Island proposal continues this tradition with a one-out-of-the-box opportunity for attendees to engage in an erstwhile de-expedition en masse, and perhaps Worldwide Flora and Fauna Award or SOTA operations. Norfolk Island also offers a wide range of non-amateur activities, such as birdwatching, bushwalking, swimming, diving, fishing, philately and guided tours. But it's not a done deal. At this stage, to continue to judge the level of support, the board is seeking further expressions of interest from anyone who would like to attend. Like all WIA AGM weekends, this is not a members-only event. While only members can vote at the brief official AGM proceedings, we invite and encourage both members and non-members alike to come and join in a most exciting weekend event. You can add your name to the list of people who have expressed interest in attending the proposed 2016 AGM on Norfolk Island, by completing a form on the WIA website. See the item under Latest News. Meanwhile, on social media, the Clickerati are in full flight, 
Clickerati, a combination of mouse click and literati. The supporters of the proposal outnumber the detractors. In coming weeks, there'll be news and more highlights from the annual general meeting. This has been Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, 4VK1WIA News. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. What use is an F call? You've come across the term DB or decibel. Likely you've heard of DBI as well. These terms are all related to decibels, but mean completely different things. A decibel, named after Alexander Graham Bell, is a relative measure of two different power levels. That is, one power level compared to another power level. 3 dB is about twice as much power. 6 dB is about four times as much, and 10 dB is exactly ten times as much power. This means that you can say that a feed line has a 6 dB loss. That is, you need to put 20 watt in at one end to get 5 watt out the other. In short, a dB is a ratio between two levels of power. In the feed line case, the power in versus the power out at the other end. In antenna land, you might have heard of dBi as the measure of amazingness of an antenna. A dBi is a measure of gain of an antenna when compared to an isotropic source. This is a theoretical reference that cannot actually exist in nature, but at least it's always the same, which allows you to compare two antennas to each other when their gain is both expressed in dBi. You might also come across a dBd, or an antenna gain when compared with a dipole. A dipole in itself can be compared to an isotrope, its gain is 2.4 dBi, or 0 dBd, which incidentally goes to why many antenna manufacturers play silly games with dBi and dBd. An antenna described as 24 dB should send you back to the manufacturer to ask them, 24 compared to what? If it's 24 dBi, it's compared to an isotrope. If it's 24 dBd, it's compared to a dipole. This means there could be a 4.81 dB difference between two incorrectly named 24 dB antennas. There's more than this. Think about dBw, dBv, dBu, dBmv, dBa, dBz and many, many more. The thing to take away is that a dB is a relative term. One compared to another. If only one's specified, you don't necessarily know compared to what. DBI references it to an isotrope, and DBD references it to a dipole. I'm Ono, Victor Kilo 6, Foxtrot, Lima Alpha Bravo. International News, I'm John Mazels, VK2JPM. Nepal Aid Repeater, released by Customs. Thanks to the efforts of the Computer Association of Nepal, USA, a repeater that the group had donated to Tribhuvan University in Nepal was released from customs on the 5th of May and now is at the university in the care of Sanjeeb 9N1SP. And what with Nepal's ongoing earthquake situation, a good result for CAN USA. As Nepal responds to the devastating 7.8 magnitude earthquake, 
Amateur Radio has been playing a key role in the recovery effort. This role has been to provide communications for responders working in more remote regions, as well as to help in locating missing people. It's also served to convey information about casualties. 70 MHz access for German radio hams for the sporadic e-season. The Deutsche Amateur Radio Club reports that hams in Germany will have access to 70.150 to 70.180 MHz in the 4-metre band during the sporadic e-season. This after publication of an announcement in the official Journal of Communication on April 29th. Holders of that nation's Class A licence are able to use a limited portion of the band from now until August 31st. Ham video transmitter now transmitting. On Friday, May the 1st, 2015, the ham video transmitter on board the Columbus module of the International Space Station was powered on and started transmitting in blank transmission or BT mode. In this mode, the transmitter is operated without a camera. The digital TV signal is fully formatted, but the content of the video is black and the content of the audio is at zero level. From a technical perspective, the BT signal is all that's needed for testing and fine-tuning ground stations. The European network of chained ground stations is presently nearly complete. Six ground stations span the continent in X formation. For each ascending pass over Europe, four stations provide about 10 minutes of solid copy, and the same is true for descending passes. Solar electric propulsion engines ionising hall thruster. Yes, it sounds like Star Trek, and it might be. Engineers at NASA's Glenn Research Center in Ohio are working on a hall thruster-based propulsion system, one that will propel the first ever mission to redirect an asteroid for astronauts to explore in the 2020s. The hall thruster is part of an SEP system that uses 10 times less propellant than equivalent chemical rockets. Hall thrusters work by trapping electrons in a magnetic field and use them to ionize the onboard propellant. In a recent test, engineers from the Glenn Research Centre and the Jet Propulsion Laboratory used a vacuum chamber to simulate the space environment. They then successfully tested a new, higher-power hall thruster design, which is more efficient and has longer life. In doing so, they proved that the latest thruster can process three times the power of previous designs and increase efficiency by 50%. And the U.S. proposes making Radio Marty independent. The White House has proposed turning Radio Marty into a separate entity. Radio Marty was a U.S.-controlled broadcaster created in part to undermine communist rule in Cuba. This as Washington seeks a new direction in its dealings with Havana. Under the plan, the Miami-based broadcaster, which is part of the Broadcasting Board of Governors, would become a separate entity along with unspecified parts of Voice of America's Spanish language service. In essence, Radio Marti would cease to be part of the US government and would turn into a grantee receiving federal funding. The proposal doesn't specify how it would be structured beyond that it would be a private, non-profit organisation. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. 
Operational news on Felix VK4FUQ, Dateline 2015. Trans-Tasman Contest, 18 July from 0800 hours UTC. 1010 International Summer Contest, August 1 and 2. Remembrance Day Contest, August 15 and 16. Oceania DX Contest Voice, full first weekend in October. Oceania DX Contest CW, second full weekend in October. Special Event Stations, DX, Beacon, Repeater and Net Advice. DL5DI will be active portable 6Y5 from Jamaica between May the 22nd and June the 2nd. Activity will be holiday style on the high frequency bands using an FT897 transceiver and dipole antenna. QSL by DL5DI, his home call sign. W5JON will be on the air as V47JA from St Kitts between June the 13th until July 22nd. He plans to be active on 160 through 6 metres SSB. QSL W5JON F5LIT will be active stroke TF from Ireland between May the 24th and the 30th. This operation will be holiday style mainly on 20 metres and possibly 40 metres SSB. However, QSL using logbook of the world only, be warned. Sri Lankan 6 metre beacon back on air. 4S7B stroke B50.009 MHz. 25 watts to a ground plane antenna running from the club shack. Joint project of the RSSL Radio Society of Sri Lanka and 6 Meter Beacon Project Incorporated. Your signal reports are most welcome. Prefix hunters may be interested in working special event station DT5OKJ. The station is QRV until the 30th of June and marks the 50th anniversary of diplomatic relations between Japan and the Republic of Korea, South Korea. The QSL manager is HL1IWD. While it's weather, solar flare causes radio blackouts. Sunspot AR2339 unleashed an intense X2 class solar flare on May the 5th at approximately 2211 hours UTC. The radiation generator caused strong radio blackouts on the Pacific side of Earth, interfering with communications at frequencies below 20 MHz. The blast also hurled a coronal mass ejection, or CME, into space, but not toward Earth. More information can be found at spaceweather.com. For VK1WIA National News, I'm Felix, VK4FUQ, Winningham. Good morning, this is Donna, VK3FRET, on behalf of the Australian Ladies Amateur Radio Association. I'd like to remind you about our 40th birthday celebrations coming up on July 25th. A luncheon will be held at the Novotel Glen Waverley. Please come along and help the ladies of Amateur Radio celebrate this important milestone. I'm Donna for Alara and VK1 WIA. Thanks Donna. Now for further information or reservations, please contact Jean, VK3VIP, and Jean's email address is vk3vip at wia.org.au. From Alara to ARDF, as we continue special interest group news, I'm Robert VK3DN in Melbourne, and in Japan, September is the 10th IARU Region 3 ARDF Championship. It's on the 6th till the 12th of September. Tark does ARDF. If you're in the vicinity of the Townsville region on Saturday, June the 12th, and you want to get involved in a fox hunt, then Tony VK4TJS wants to hear from you. His phone number is in the text edition. The fox hunt will start at the Palarenda Quarantine Station Grounds at 1pm and you have until the 18th of June to get your attendance numbers in for this fox hunt. 
Worldwide Special Interest Groups, CW, U.S. Army to quit teaching Morse code at Fort Huacha. The U.S. Army will quit teaching Morse code to soldiers at its training center in Arizona. The Army has used the code since shortly after its invention by Samuel Morse in 1844. During the Civil War, both the Union of the Confederate Armies heavily relied on Morse code, but its use decreased significantly since World War II. These days, the military has satellites and other channels of communications that offer voice services and text messaging on the battlefield. But for the overall military, Morse is not completely going away because some forces still use the code. Troops that need to know it will have the option of going to the Air Force-sponsored course taught in Texas. Mike's Morse Mania Display Do you really appreciate really well-preserved radio equipment? Mike VK4MIK certainly does and currently has one of the most extensive collection of Morse keys and heritage equipment in the country. He regularly attends public displays of his collection, although due to logistic reasons he can only display part of the collection at any one time. The next Mike's Morse Mania display will be happening at the Cardwell Telegraph Museum on Friday the 29th and Saturday the 30th of May. And with such an extensive special display, museum volunteers will be extending the opening hours to let as many people as possible view 60-plus exquisitely restored Morse keys and other heritage radio gear. Mike and his many helpers from the Tablelands Radio Group, plus volunteers from the Cardwell Telegraph Museum, hope that you can drop in and see the display. Make sure you say good day to Mike and the museum volunteers. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Final Frontier. Delphi C3 has been in orbit for seven years. As of April 28, the Delphi C3 HM satellite has been in orbit for seven years. PA3WEG reports that the satellite still remains healthy and strong. He says that in all those years, there have only been a few days where no telemetry was decoded and submitted. He added that Delphi C3 has been praised numerous times as the ideal example of a cooperation of radio amateurs and a university. AMSAT UK and AMSAT NL have announced that a new FunCube communications package based on the British-designed FunCube 1 has been selected as a major payload for the NAIF-1 CubeSat mission. This one new mission is intended to provide Emirati students with a tool to design and test systems in space. It's been developed by the Emirates Institution for Advanced Science and Technology in partnership with the American University of Sarjah. It is expected that the payload will provide a large amount of valuable environmental data from space together with new enhanced VHF and UHF linear transponder. The launch is scheduled to take place towards the end of this year. Worldwide Special Interest Groups, VHF and above, Transatlantic Beacon Reception on 144 MHz. A 144.436 MHz beacon, D4C, in the Cape Verde Islands, HK76MV, was received by PJ4VHF and Benary Caribbean EM95QC on May the 6th over a distance of 4,686 kilometres. A post on the D4C Facebook page says that on May 6, 2015, history was made on a contact across the Atlantic on VHF bands on a WE path. 
This D4C two-metre beacon was received on Tropo for several hours in the Caribbean by PJ4VHF Dave on Banari, almost 4,700 kilometre path. The band was open for 90 minutes from 0100 UTC on May 6, 2015. Report 519 on a TS-2000 with 2 by 13 element Yagis. Beacons were set up from Montverde Contest Team D4C and in particular HB9DUR and IZ4DPV. Well, that's all I have for you this week. This has been Robert, VK3DN, reporting from Melbourne. Alrighty, let's wrap it up for another week. On the social scene, June 5 to 7 in VK4, the Central Highlands Amateur Radio Club and Teresa Creek Campout at Claremont. June 6 to 7 in VK2, Queen's Birthday 40th Annual Oxley Region Field Day. And June 6 to 7 in VK5, this is the big one. It's the 51st Southeast Radio Group's Convention and the Australian Fox Hunting Championship. Now till next we meet, I'm Graham VK4BB reminding you to walk softly. From Australia, this has been VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service. On RF, we thank our rebroadcast team and you for listening. And remember, internet streaming and text of this news is available 24-7 at wia.org.au.